here today, and he'll set you free today if you'll call on his name today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He'll set you free in Jesus' name. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. And we have liberty today to worship him, and that's what we're going to do. Let's worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we love you today. Lord, we're so grateful for another day that we can enter into your presence. God, that we can worship you together. Lord, we invite you to come. We invite you, Lord God. Father, to move in our midst, Lord, that you would touch every heart today, every life today, Lord God. Father, we thank you that you're not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. Now, Father, we lift our song to you, our worship to you, Lord God. May you be glorified in this place this morning. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hallelujah. We give a shout of praise. He set me free. He changed me. He made me new. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So thankful that we stand here this morning forgiven. Children of God, hallelujah. We bless his name. Thank you. 
Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord God, that you are our hope and our salvation. A very present help. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, my hope, I place in Jesus.
friends, sometimes when we go through seasons that we can call dark or heavy, it's so easy to throw away the promise. It's so easy to want to make a wrong decision just to do something to get away from the pressure that we regret. But the Lord reminds us the darkness, that season of heaviness, it will not win. For the Lord, your God, who never has you out of his sight for a moment, he is getting ready to shine forth, to break forth with his light and disperse your darkness and work in your situation in a way that could only be described as wonderful, as marvelous. The Lord your God loves you. He watches over you continually. We go through trials and we go through tests, but don't let them bring you into defeat. Don't let them cause you to make a decision you'll regret. Know that at just the right time, the Lord your God will break forth and work his good work in you. If you believe that, say amen. Let's give Jesus a hand clap. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Oh, what a God we serve. Oh, good morning, church. God is good to us, is he not? Yeah, yeah, someone said not too good. He's going to get better then. Hang in there. You can keep hanging in there. Amen. Our children can be dismissed, the children's church. Hallelujah. And if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me to Luke's Gospel, Chapter 7. Luke's Gospel, Chapter 7. Hallelujah. Well, Glory. Sometimes the greatest miracle is when you go through the dark time, you go through it like a real child of God. Amen? You know, some people can only shout when everything's perfect. But God says, if you trust me, I'll teach you how to do the Pentecostal spasm right in the midst of that trial. Amen? When, when you really know the Lord. Isn't that right? Because you know, sooner or later you win. I mean, if he takes you home, you win. I mean, we win. We're with Jesus. We win. Hallelujah. Oh, let me get to my sermon. We'll never get there. Amen. Luke 7. Looking at verse 11. Luke 7. Verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Weep not. Then he went up and he touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. Now these coffins are more like stretchers. They're more like stretchers, okay? So when he sits up, you're not thinking you're going through the ceiling. He went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still, and he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And the dead man sat up. And began to talk. I wonder what he said. <laughs> Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they were all filled with awe. And began to praise God. 
a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. So I want to talk this morning. Message entitled, He's Touched by Your Tears. He's Touched by Your Tears. Father, we thank you that indeed you are holy and you're omnipotent, but you are also compassionate and full of love and full of kindness. And we thank you that your compassion extends to us, each one of us, whom you love with an everlasting love. And I pray that you'd give each of us ears to hear and hearts to receive this message. By your spirit, work powerfully in each heart and each mind. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, he's touched by your tears, silent tears and secret tears. You can bring all your tears to Jesus where you don't know where to go and you don't know who to turn to. Jesus is always there and you can come and you can pour out your heart and you can discuss anything with him. He has a word for you. He has a touch for you. He's a wonderful Savior and he's mighty to save. Bring your tears to Jesus. In fact, he keeps them in a bottle and one day the Bible says he'll wipe away all of our tears. And This morning we want to look at this widow from Nain. And we're going to see in this story the great compassion of God and the desire that the Father has towards, towards you and towards me. For in this story, it reveals to us so much for Jesus came to show us and to reveal to humanity God the Father, his will and his way and his works, his very heart. And so from this story, we should come to know that our lives, that your life, even the smallest detail, never goes unnoticed by God. We should see and be moved by the fact that he is touched by what touches you. The author of Hebrews says he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He cares so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for you, to shed his blood, that you could be forgiven, that you could be right with God, that you could know eternal life. And lastly, I pray that the Lord will help us to recognize that God's compassion towards us is more than just a soothing sympathy. It's a ministering grace. It's a real, genuine, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that will minister to your heart and your mind and give you grace and mend your brokenness. Thank the Lord that it gives us a grace that not only helps us to endure these things and survive these things, but to rise up again and live and overcome these things and walk into a new day with God. Here was a woman that was lost in despair. She was a widow. She had lost her husband, and now her only son had died. And you can just picture her dressed in her mourning clothes, surrounded by that procession of mourners. They're on their way to the burial plot. There's a procession of death going out of the town, but little did the woman know that there was another procession coming into the town. It was a procession of hope. It was a profession of love. It was the procession that Jesus was leading to turn things around and make things right. This dear lady was on a heaven-sent uh, collision course with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Her procession of death was leaving the city, but a procession of life was coming into the city. And I see in this a picture of our salvation. You and I were going the same way, the wrong way. Dead in our transgressions, lost in our sins, but Jesus saw us. Jesus' heart went out to us. Jesus met us on that path. He spoke his word of grace to our hearts. He stopped the procession of our waywardness. Then he touched us and he turned us around and he raised us up again. Oh, friend, I don't know about you, but I'm glad he touched my coffin. How about you? Amen. I'm glad Jesus touched my coffin. I thank God that there has been a heaven-sent U-turn in our lives because Jesus stepped in and turned our lives around. We begin with verse 11. We want to see the walking of the Lord, the walking of the Lord. Verse 11, soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. The walking of the Lord. Now, the walking of the Lord, it teaches us God's providence, and it should bring to us a good, good confidence, confidence. Soon after healing the centurion servant, you remember that story? To speak the word, he said. Ah, great faith there. 
after healing the centurion's servant, in response to great faith, Jesus goes to the city of Nain some 25 miles away. No one sent for him. There was no urgent call, come quick. And just when Jesus gets there, at the exact time he's going into the city, a large crowd is leaving the city. They're carrying a man to the cemetery. Someone might say, an accident, incident? No, 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 no. This meeting was not an accident. This meeting was a divine appointment. This meeting was not just incidental. It was the providence of God at work in the lives of his people. And we have a lesson here. You know, Jesus lived according to the perfect timing of God the Father. Jesus lived according to a divine timetable. And God has a perfect timetable for all of us that will choose to walk with him. This is not just for the case Sarah crowd, but for those, as Matthew 6, says, for those that will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. To those, as Proverbs 3 says, will trust in the Lord with all their hearts and don't lean on you in understanding with all your ways. Acknowledge him first before you make that move, before you give that reply, before you send, send. Acknowledge him. He'll direct your path to those that will do those things. They can say, like Psalm 31, my times are in his hands. My life is in the arms of the Almighty. And that's a great place of comfort and confidence as you walk through this life. This is an encouragement for the Christian. Because there will be times in your Christian experience when you feel like you're in Nain and you wonder, where is Jesus? Have you ever been there? Someone says, I'm there now, preach, I'm there now. Well, you come to the right day, amen. Feel like, where is the Lord? He's 25 miles away, unaware of the path you're walking. But listen, listen, you rest assured, ye that love the Lord. You rest assured, you that really love Jesus and walk with Jesus. Jesus knows where you are, and Jesus knows just when to show up. He's never late. He's always on time, and His grace is sufficient for every challenge and every storm of life. Regardless of what you go through, have this confidence as a child of God. His grace is sufficient for me. His power is at work in my weakness. So regardless of what comes my way, if life throws me a 10, God will give me an 11. If life throws me a 20, God will give me 21% of grace to make it through. Come on, say amen. I mean to meet it, greet it, and defeat it in the name of the Lord. He's acquainted with all our ways. He doesn't miss anything. You see, divine providence, the walking of the Lord, it should bring to the believer's heart a comforting confidence. We, we're a different group. We're a different breed. They that know the Lord and walk with the Lord. Yeah, we live in a fallen world and it's uptight and it has its challenges and things are unfair and things aren't always good, but we walk with God the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells within us. And we have the assurance that he orders our steps and he overwatches every step of our lives. It gives us a peace. It gives us a steadiness. It gives us a stability. It gives us a certainty. Oh, the word providence. We've studied this before, but it comes from two Latin words. Pro video. Pro before, video to see. It means God sees before and God sees to it before. God sees beforehand. And it's more than just simply God's observing us. It's God's working in and through us. It's God's acting and orchestrating events and happenings. It's God's orchestrating our lives and His purposes for His glory. Providence is God's care over the believer's life. God's dealings and God's leadings in our lives. He's ruling and He's overruling. The working of God in advance to arrange circumstances and situations for the fulfilling of His purposes. We say, my steps are ordered by the Lord. My life is kept from the, with the Lord. God is at work. All things are working together because we love God and we're called according to His purpose. Now, that familiar story from the Old Testament of Joseph of Joseph and his brothers. It illustrates this so beautifully. Most of you should be familiar with that. Joseph was sold by his brothers. 
sold as a slave because they hated him. Falsely accused, betrayed by those that he had helped, forgotten by men. We see his honesty and his integrity is rewarded with prison and chains. But when the famine struck, God had his man in the right place at the right time, ready to do his work, and the dream did come to pass. As God was working. Now Joseph understood this. When finally he sees his brothers and he reveals himself to them, he says those words, God sent me before you to preserve your life. Man, funny way of God sending a person. But Joseph was able to see that even through the ugliness of men, God was working. Even through the hatred of men, God is able to rule and overrule and unfold his plan for his beloved. Oh, it's something special when you love God. It's something special in life when you walk with God. All things are not the same, but to them that love the Lord... There is a grace and there is a favor and there is a mercy that rules and overrules when the famine struck. Joseph was able to look at his brothers and said, you know what? What you meant for evil, God meant it for good. From the prison to the palace. Why? Because God works providentially in the lives of those that serve him. You remember the other example of the Israelites at the Red Sea? Oh, what a situation. They looked like they were trapped. They looked like they were hemmed in. They looked like they, they, they were surely going to die. There was no way out. But they had not been led by man. Moses was getting his orders from headquarters. They were being led by God. God was working it out. God was orchestrating what was about to happen. God was ordering their steps. Pharaoh seemed to have them just where he wanted them, but not so fast. When you walk with God, you ought to have a faith and a confidence. He hell can throw the kitchen sink at you. Not so fast, devil. Uh-uh. Not so fast. Oh, no, I'm walking with God. The last time I checked, he's got the last word. I said Fox News don't have the last word. Woo, come on. I'm going to hit someone good. Yeah, no, no, no. Some of y'all have more confidence in the news channel you're watching than the Bible you're not reading. Oh, Lord, he better get back to his notes, but it's time to hit something good. Let's get back to the word of God. Let's put the Lord first where he belongs. Before you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're a child of God if you're serving the Lord. And we're not ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. We're going to walk with God. We're going to walk with God. We're going to love this God. He sent his son to die for us. We're not ashamed of this thing. Amen. He didn't need us, but he loved us. We were lost. We were going the wrong way. But he stopped the procession, touched our coffin. We're new creatures today because Jesus loved us and died for us. And we're going to serve him and not be ashamed about it. Can you say amen? Providence of God. Not so fast, Pharaoh. It was a setup. Why? Because the hand of the Almighty was steering and directing, ruling and overruling in the lives of his people. Pharaoh was getting ready to be judged. God's people were going to be delivered, and the Almighty would be glorified in the earth. Oh, I'm telling you, folks, providence. Oh, providence, the walking of the Lord. At just the right time, at just the right moment, Jesus is there with just the right word and just the right touch to turn things around. Providence, his hand ruling and overruling in the affairs of life. Again, a source of confidence, a source of contentment, a source of courage and comfort for the child of God. Some years ago, I remember reading an article. Someone was interviewing a, a trapeze artist, one of those high wire you know, guys. and They started talking about the net underneath, you know, in the big circuses. And the performer admitted the net was there, obviously, to keep them from breaking their necks. But he went on to say something interesting. He says, it doesn't, it's just not there to protect us. It actually keeps us from falling. He says, now just imagine there was no net. We'd be so nervous. I mean, we'd probably we'd miss more often than we'd like to admit. He says, we wouldn't dare try some things that we try. If there wasn't a net underneath, we wouldn't dare to do some of the things we do. But because there is a net, we dare to make one turn, two turns. One time I did three, thanks to the net. The Christian interviewer observed and he says, you know what? Because we have the net of God's providence and God's security and God's keeping power underneath our lives. Because we are sure of his arms that keep us and hold us. 
We dare to attempt big things for God. We dare to live holy in an unholy world. We dare to be obedient and trust God even when the world would think we're crazy. We dare because we know the eternal arms of our God will hold us if we fall and pick us up if we stumble. Oh, somebody give God a praise in his house. Deuteronomy 33 and 27, the eternal God is our refuge and underneath our lives are the everlasting arms. Somebody, the arms that hold the universe are the arms that hold you. Rest in that. Be confident in that. Walk courageously because of that. Somebody give God a praise. Number one is the walking of the Lord. The walking of the Lord. Verse 11, God's providence. Providence should give us confidence. But secondly, there's the weeping of the widow. Verses 12 and 13. As he approached the town gate, a dead person is being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow. And a large crowd from that town was with her. And when the Lord saw her. Mm. Now this shows us the compassion of Christ. And this should give you and I that know the Lord an assurance. We should be convinced of his love, of his continual care, of his knowing and of his presence in our lives. The widow represents the weak, the vulnerable. Those in the eyes of the world would be insignificant, hurting. But to this one, the heart of God goes out. To the one that society didn't really esteem or think, to this one, the love and the mercy of God really came into her place of need. We see here the sorrow and we see the Savior. The sorrow is the widow's weeping. She lost so much. She's been hurt so much. She's in despair and in sorrow. She's fearful. She's insecure. What about the future? But then there's the Savior. The Lord saw her. And his heart and the compassion of heaven went out to her. Yes, my friend, God does see. And yes, my friend, God does care. Others might have walked out on you, but Jesus will never walk out of you. Others might forget your birthday. Jesus will never forget anything about you. Others, you get the busy signal. They unfriend you. They do this and that, whatever you do nowadays. But I'll tell you one thing. Heaven's ears will always be open to your cry if you'll walk with this God and love this God. You might have come in this morning and you might feel like you're alone. You might be wondering about your tomorrow, but the compassion of God assures you and should give you complete confidence and certainty. God knows what you're facing. And God knows what you're feeling. And God has provided a remedy for your hurts and your sorrows, your failings and your griefs. As we said Wednesday night, there is a healing balm in the house of God. There is a healing ointment to mend the hearts of men. There is a God. That makes a way even where there seems to be no way. There is a God that heals those who have been damaged by life's hardships. There is a God that has promised to bring his people through. And he'll bring you through every time. Rest assured, child of God, God sees what you're facing. And God knows what you're battling. Private struggles, personal fears or frustrations, those painful areas. God sees and God will see to it. As you look to him, as you bring that burden to him, as you come and say, Jesus, I have need. Here it is. You know, the Bible actually tells us so knowledgeable, so intimate is the love of God for you. The Bible says our hairs are numbered, not just counted. They're actually numbered. Can you imagine that? God says, that's how much I know you intimately personally, eternally. Nothing escapes his notice, friend. Nothing is too hard or difficult for his amazing grace to work in your life. This woman wept and she's in a crowd, but she doesn't go unnoticed by the Lord. He saw her and his heart was moved towards her. Friend, that's exactly how it is for you and for me. You'll never get lost in the crowd. You know why? Because everybody is somebody to Jesus. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Everybody is somebody to Jesus. Say it with me. Everybody is somebody to Jesus. Oh, glory to God. 
Mm. Just like his heart went out to this woman, his heart goes out to you. Just like he spoke that in-season word to this woman, he's got a word for you. He's touched by her tears. Oh, yes, he is. The walking of the Lord and the weeping of the widow. And here are the words of the Savior. How in verse 13, he saw her, his heart, his compassion went out to her, and then he spoke to her, weep not. Now remember, Jesus, he, he wasn't invited to this. There was no faith reaching out to him. He is solely initiating this. This is solely initiated by God. And friend, I want you to know today, he's still seeking, he's still knocking. Can I say it this way? Jesus is still interrupting lives because he loves you so much and doesn't want to see anyone going down the wrong path but wants to see you turn and walking with him as you ought to. Oh, he's a good God. He's still knocking on the hearts of men. He is still calling people to follow him. He is still speaking the word, hoping to awaken us that we'd receive his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness and his love. He sees her and he sympathizes with her. And he speaks to her. You see, Luke writes, the Lord saw her. This is the first time he uses the title Lord when he's writing his gospel. It's interesting. He's making a point. Lord means the sovereign, omnipotent ruler of the universe. He's saying to this one that is overlooked by men and seemingly insignificant in society, the Almighty takes notice. The Almighty sees. The Almighty is moved. And God had compassion on her like God has compassion on you. The Almighty God is not just out there somewhere detached and disinterested. He's aware. He's concerned. And He speaks to us. Oh God, give us an ear to hear this morning. He's got a word. And His word will bring healing. His word will bring hope. His word will bring comfort to a heart. His word will bring strength. His word will bring meaning. His word will bring direction. The words of the Savior, they brought comfort to this woman. Now, sometimes we've got to be honest. Can we be honest in church? Anybody? i got at least one hand. Any hand? I got, oh, thank you, Brother Angel. I don't know why I do it out you sometimes, man. I'm telling you. In this story, it brought great comfort. Weep not. Now, sometimes it might bring great conviction. It all depends on what it finds when it talks to you. It depends on your condition when the Lord speaks to you. One time Adam had to hear a word, Where are you? Because he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Another time Jonah heard a word, Jonah! You like it inside that big belly? Or would you rather do what I told you to do? David one time heard a word, thou art the man. You're trying to blame others, but God says, I know the truth and you are guilty. Cain, where's your brother? Cain, if you don't deal with that thing, it'll ruin you. It'll ruin your marriage if you don't deal with it. So sometimes when the word comes to us, it depends what it finds in us. Now in our story, it found a broken, hurting woman and it brought great compassion and hope that she could get through it and rise up above it. The word of God. Here it shows us his concern, expressing his compassion, as if God is reminding her and reminding us this morning, I'm here, don't be afraid. This isn't the end. The word of God comes, and when it comes, it speaks to us, but it also calls for a response from us. He's trying to bring you and I to a better place, to a place of victory, to a place of wholeness. See, the Word ministers to us, but the Word also calls for a response, for an action, for a belief. Let's broaden this for a second. The Lord's trying to bring us to a better place. The Gospel does it, does it not? When we hear the good news, and we'll respond, but we've got to respond. It's trying to move us out of sorrow, out of sin, out of fear, out of that situation, into that place of forgiveness, righteousness, wholeness, and healing. Weep not. Now that can seem insensitive in this setting, but of course Jesus knew what he was doing, and he knew where he was taking her. Weep not. It can seem insensitive. And we know there's a time to weep, and we weep with one another. When it's time to weep, we weep. 
But there's also time to rise up and live again, to rise up and dream again, to rise up and hope again, to rise up and laugh again and sing again. There is a time to receive the word of life from the Savior and rise up from sorrow and rise up from hurt and rise up from the things of life, the failures, and believe again and love again and walk onward with an expectation and hope once again. Jesus is trying to put her in a place to see something beyond her sorrow. And then overcome that sorrow, we've got to look beyond that sorrow. Trying to redirect her from the sorrow to the Savior. From bitterness and despair to hope and expectancy of a new day in God. Now notice when God speaks to men, when God speaks to men, typically these are the components. There's an instruct. When you read your Bible, when God speaks to men, there's an instruction to obey. There's a promise to believe. And when that's done, there is a change that is released. When God speaks to men. Moses, lift up that rod. Nothing's going to happen until you do. Peter, toss that net if you want to see that blessing. Go ahead, leopard, just go show yourself. Butlers, go fill those jars with water if you want brand new wine. Blind man, here's some mud. Go wash in the pool. Lame man, stretch forth your hand. Didn't ask you if you could. Just told you to do it. Jericho. Joshua, do you want to win the battle? Just start marching and start. watch what God will do. Widow, you're in a bad place. You want to get out of it? Give your last bit of meal and watch how God works in your situation. There's instructions to obey. We can't just sit around saying, oh, I'm going to wait for God to do everything. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to budge. No, when God speaks to you, he calls you to do something. There's an instruction to obey. But then there's a promise to believe. If you want to make heaven your home, there is a promise to believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believeth. In him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You've got to believe that Christ died for you. You've got to believe that he rose again. You've got to believe that in Jesus Christ, and Christ alone, is your forgiveness and your salvation. You've got to believe. Now he said to Jairus, fear not, just believe, and your daughter will live. Now we said to the two sisters, did I not tell you that if you would just believe, you'd see the glory of how the nobleman, the Bible says, and he believed the word that Jesus spoke and went his way and his son was healed that very same hour. When God speaks to us, if there's going to be something produced out of the conversation, there's an instruction to obey, there's a promise to believe, and then there's a change. There's a working that is released when we do so. When we respond to God's word, His word works wonderfully in our lives. Our key is God's word comes to us. It comes to us in whatever condition it finds us. We might be doing well, we might be doing not so. Whatever the condition is, if we're doing well, it'll take us from faith to faith. If we're doing well, it'll take us to a greater measure of holiness and Christ-likeness. If we're well, it'll take us deeper and more intimate in our walk with God. If we're in our sorrow, it'll try to lift us up. If we're in our sin, it'll try to turn us around. God's word comes to us. And that word not only reveals God's concern to us, but calls us to respond and act so that his power can be released in us. See, as we obey the word, since you obeyed the word, your life's been different, hasn't it? Since you responded to that word. Your life's been transformed, has it not? And as we obey that word and respond to the word, we experience God's word not just speaking to us, but actually working in us, working through us, supernaturally ministering to us. When God's word comes to a person, it won't leave that person the same. When God's word comes, be a believer, be a responder, be a doer, be an optimist, be a responder. A little while we're going to Celebrate a water baptism. Our sisters responding to the word of the Lord. 
She didn't just read it. She didn't just nod her head to it. She's obeying and responding. She heard the word, and there was the instruction. If you're going to follow me, be baptized and identify with me. And she's responding in obedience, and she'll release the blessing of that obedient act in her life. That's how it works. That's how it works. Hallelujah. Be an optimist when it comes to the word of God. Be a believer. Be a responder. Don't don't just put it aside. Don't just ignore it. Respond to the word. What's God speaking to you right now? Respond to the word. When you read your devotional, what's he speaking to you for that day? Respond to the word. I read some time ago how society needs all types of people to function properly. It went on to say both optimists and pessimists are important in society. Both of them contribute to society. The optimist invents the airplane and the pessimist invents the parachute. (laughs) When it comes to the word of God, when it comes to God calling to you and speaking to you, be a believer, be a responder, be a doer. Can you say amen? Oh, God is good. Oh, God is good. I want someone to know this morning he's touched by your tears. You might be hard on the outside, but in the lonely hours you might weep and there might be groanings and there might be frustrations. I want someone to know that the God we serve, he is touched by your tears. He is touched by your tears. Tears maybe no one else can see, tears that others don't understand, but he's touched by your tears. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is still a wounded heart healer. He didn't just heal broken limbs when he walked the earth. He healed broken hearts and broken minds and broken lives. And today Jesus wants to touch someone's heart. Today Jesus wants to soothe someone's troubled mind. Today he wants to reach into that area and pour his healing oil and begin to mend and begin to cleanse and to begin to make whole areas that have been damaged and wounded. He's touched by your tears. The walking of the Lord, the weeping of the widow, the words of the Savior, and now lastly, the wonder of the Lord. The wonder of the Lord. Those last two or three verses. We see God's greatness and we see our rejoicing. He touches the coffin. There was no fear of defilement, not with Jesus. Because no one is too far and too out there for the Lord Jesus to reach. And Jesus claimed as his own what death has seized as his prey. Just like he did with you and just like he did with me. Verse 14 says, the Lord spoke. Young man, arise. Somebody rise up and live again. Somebody rise up and believe God again. Somebody rise up and be bold in your faith again. Verse 15 says, the boy spoke. I do wonder what he said. Mama, where are we going? All dressed up going to church or somewhere. I don't know. Then the people spoke. Verse 16, the people spoke. They glorified God. In awe and in fear, they praised God. They proclaimed, oh, God has come to visit his people. God has come to help his people. God's come to touch your heart. God's come to speak his word of grace and direction into your life. Listen, friend, Jesus Christ is touched by your tears. He cares about you personally. And he has a word for your life and your situation. It depends what he finds. But whatever it is, you can trust the word of Jesus. Believe it and respond to it. He's got a word for your life and your situation. And he calls you to respond to that word. Bring your cares to him. Obey him. Be willing to change if that's what's demanded. Calls you to hear his word. That he might release his amazing grace in your life. And work by his power in your circumstance. As we come to the altar this morning. Number one, if your heart's not right with God, come to Jesus. If your heart's not where it needs to be with the Lord, we're all there at one time. Be ashamed of it. We're all there at one time. 
but respond to the grace and the kindness and the compassion of God this morning. If your heart's not right with God, come to Jesus, receive him. Maybe you need to make a fresh surrender. If that's what you need to do, let's do it. Respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And in your response, you release the working of God's grace in your life like you've never dreamed. And secondly, if, if, is there a weeping in your life? Do you need a comforting touch from the one who is touched by your tears? You know, when we pray, you can come down and ask the Lord for that touch and we'll believe God to minister powerfully in your heart and in your mind. He's the God that makes all things new. He's a God of second chances. He's a God of new beginnings. He's a God that looks beyond our faults and he sees our needs. And when he calls, all he's demanding is your response. And then he can release his wonder working in your life. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? We're going to close in prayer. And if you need prayer, when I get done, you can come down to the altar. If you need to make things with right, you can do that at your seat. Or you can come down. If you need someone to pray for you, if you just want to weep before the Lord, say, Lord, there's an area in my life that I would surely love for you to pour out your Holy Spirit and touch me. I would sure love for you to help me to overcome that.